You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Habits are are fundamentally adaptive behaviours seeking to create some kind of outcome in the physical world. Beliefs are a, a, a cognitive framework about how we see reality. Now, here's your hosts, Tim and Dez. Well, thanks for tuning in to Momentum all around Australia, wherever you are. Hey, it is Tim and Des with you, and we're so grateful that you've uh, committed to come and spend some time with us. That's awesome. Thanks for doing that. Um, You know, every one of us has something in our lives that we would like to change or improve. Generally, it's something that we do or don't do, but know that we should. You know, acknowledging your worst habit and facing your biggest fear may not sound like too much fun, but doing so can lead to some of the biggest changes in your life, according to life coach, author, and speaker, Jonathan Doyle. And Jonathan is an international speaker, author, businessman, executive coach, and he's been on our show a number of times before. He's spoken to over 400,000 people around the world, probably all the one time, has written a bunch of books and loves to import knowledge. He reads so many books. It's amazing. Um, But books on personal development, peak performance, leadership and relationships. Uh, Welcome back, Jonathan. Hey, Tim, Des, great to be back with you guys and really looking forward to uh, to another episode, hoping we can reach some more people. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, if, if you haven't uh, listened to some of Jonathan's stuff before on Momentum, check out the website, MomentumAustralia.org. Uh, always got so much wisdom and so much that we can uh, unpack. So let's delve into today. And the two things we want to talk about, Jonathan, today, and I think they kind of go hand in hand, are habits and also our daily routine. And I know that particularly the latter you're huge on because I know that you're a big journaler and you know writing down goals and tasks and all that sort of stuff but for most of us I suppose our daily routine is made up of our habits I think the effectiveness of our daily routine is a representation of how effective our habits are so let's start by looking at our habits and and I suppose how we form our habits what's behind those and how early do we start forming habits I'd say we form them definitely within the first few weeks of life. And I'd say there's probably research to say some of it happens even in utero. I mean, habits are essentially shortcuts, right? They're they're just (laughs) highly adaptive neural shortcuts. And the way I explain it to people is, if you imagine if you had to relearn to brush your teeth every single day, like somebody had to come and explain to you what this process is, what the implements are for. So humans have learned, you know, you, you reduce the neural load. So you're actually reducing the, the strain. If you think of your brain as like a processor, as a computer processor, you're kind of, you're, you're reducing the, the load by simply mm. identifying all these ways in which, you can simplify life, execute faster, and we just do them all the time. And strangely enough, you know, we we always assume that we're we're doing it rationally, and that we're uh, we're always on our own side when it comes to habits. But it's not quite the case. But you know, the best way to think about them, I say to people, is, is shortcuts. They're they're basically ways that make life possible. And you see it sometimes, like you'll see it with people who deal with brain injury or with. Um, neurodegenerative diseases, they have to relearn a whole bunch of things that they once Mm. knew. So, you know, life would be almost impossible for all of us if we didn't have habits deeply embedded in our daily life. And they become sort of learned behavior. So we don't actually have to think about them. They just come as a natural flow. So, you know, you wash your face, you have a shower, you brush your teeth, you know, you get your clothes on, you know, you maybe read the Bible and study um, and whatever. So they become a a logical flow of things you do. So you don't even think about it. It just happens, right? 
Completely. And look, there's there's a vast treasure trove of thinking about this over the last two and a half thousand years. For me as a kind of classical scholar, you know, the, the Greeks were thinking about this in classical Athens, right, two and a half thousand years ago. If you look at Aristotle's Nicomachean ethics, like he wrote this ethics, this book of ethics for his son, whose name was Nicomachus, we get this Nicomachean ethics. So in the first line of book eight of the ethics, he the line says, every human action is action toward the good. Uh, or to what we perceive as good. Mm. Without losing the audience, what we tend to do is do things that we think have some kind of benefit for us. Aristotle was clear two and a half thousand years ago that we are always seeking to do things that we believe will in some way make our life better and worse. And interestingly, it applies for drug addicts as well. Like if you're if someone's on a you know abusing meth or any other drug, it's because they have some level of belief that this thing's going to make their life slightly better, even if it's not mm. rational. So, and again, you know, Freud, you know, tried to cut the world in, in half by saying that there's only two motivations in human existence. And I don't think he's right, but he's been incredibly influential, which was that all human existence boils down to the pursuit of pleasure or the avoidance of pain. Mm. Why do you wash your face and have a shower where you could say, you could you could express it positively by saying, well, you know, I like being warm, I like being clean, I like it helps with my career, and or you could say, well, I want to avoid, you know, looking terrible and offending people. So <laughs> mm. it's the same outcome but different motivations. So we, um, yeah, we we do things that we think are going to improve our life, even if and, and sometimes we're right. And as we all know, if you live long enough, sometimes you're wrong. And it doesn't take a long life to discover that, by the way. <laughs> no, well, it takes a long it takes a long life to finally join all the dots. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, possibly. Right, if you ever do, actually. So, Jonathan, you you mentioned essentially that habits are shortcuts, right? And and that's where we started. Now, shortcuts sound like they're a good idea in in principle, but also our brain, as we've just talked about, and all of us can relate to this will give us shortcuts that aren't necessarily the best thing for us, even though it's an easy way of doing things. So let, let's just delve into that space a bit, I suppose. Um, and I suppose before we go any further with that, let me ask, is there a distinction then between a habit and a belief? The two are different? Because if we're doing something on autopilot, that's different from something that then we believe, correct? I think in the technical language, you could argue that there's what, there's what we would call a compenetration, like they sort of there's an interrelation between them. I'd say it differently. I'd say that habits are, are fundamentally adaptive behaviours seeking to create some kind of outcome in the physical world. Beliefs for me are a form of cognitive architecture. Mm. Beliefs are a, a, a cognitive framework about how we see reality. And what we tend to do with our beliefs is we look for evidence of for them and we act in congruence. We, we, we try to act in congruence with them. So one of the ways you know, we call it cognitive dissonance, you can say you have a belief that all people are equal, but you can treat people terribly and then you set up this internal psychic kind of tension. So beliefs are a bit of more of a complex concept for me. Um, you know, they're, they're really about the... I guess the epistemological architecture, the kind of the, the the framework that we project out on the world about what we think is important, what we think is true, what we think is real. So maybe we could say it like this: beliefs are what we think about the world, habits are 
how we actualize those beliefs. You know, we mm. can have a belief that fitness is good, but we can eat a box of Krispy Kreme, right? <laughs> There's a cognitive dissonance there. Mm. Um, so <laughs> beliefs are beliefs are what we say we think and habits are what we actually believe maybe. I don't know. It's complex. That, that is complex. That's a really interesting discussion because, I mean, your belief system drives you in one direction, but your habits may drive you in another. Mm. And that causes internal conflict it causes pain perhaps uh, it's it's an interesting dichotomy we we live in a really in a, a highly materialist world right so what they call logical positivism is kind of the philosophy that that everything can be kind of measured and worked out in some kind of systematic way what we've lost completely is the the, the incredible importance of the fact that we're mysterious. We're incredibly mysterious beings. Like hmm. depending on what you read and who you listen to, 95% plus of what's going on is semi-conscious and subconscious. So I was, hmm. I was on a training run during the week and I listened to a three-hour interview with a world-famous trauma specialist and, you know, just that argument that, that tra- the trauma drives vast numbers of adaptive responses, hmm. you know, both in t- – in terms of our beliefs about the world, if you've lived through trauma, and also in terms of rewiring neural pathways, so we would all like to think that you know we 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 think through our beliefs carefully, we identify what's important that we go and do, but we don't. We we don't always do that. Mm. I think we can do better at it. We can be conscious. We can be deliberate. But we also <laughs> got to cut ourselves some slack. We are seriously complex. You know, angels, as one guy used to say, <laughs> half angel, half animal. Right? Like we. We, we know the right thing, but we don't do it. I mean, St. Paul was right. saying that in Romans, right? Like we yeah. know exactly what we should do, but we don't do it. So it's a very yeah. interesting question. Why are we not always on our own side? And coming back to your point, Tim, with beliefs, like if our beliefs, are, if you've got trauma or you've got damage, then, you know, you can carry beliefs about yourself and the world and God and people that are, that are non pro-social, right, that can be damaging. And then you act mm. in congruence with the belief. If you think you're worthless, you're going to undermine yourself. You're going to mm. stack on weight or blow up relationships or get fired. Who knows? So mm. the more the more switched on we are with some of this stuff, probably the better, I think. So in terms of um, the link between, I guess, the triune link between your faith and what you believe and what you believe about yourself and, you know, God and so forth, then the next level then is um, your belief system. So you get faith, belief system, and then habits. And so the the habits then, if they're linked to the two above them, could be way askew. It was worse than that. Like if you – it's a great point, Des, you're spot on. Like 20th century – Roughly about 160 million people got slaughtered, um, basically through various totalitarian regimes, right? So you go from, you know, you go through the First and Second World War, you get Stalin, you get Mao. And I used to teach them this in seminars. I'd say, how do you kill 160 million people? And what you do is you you get fundamentally inaccurate beliefs about the nature of what it means to be human, right? Yeah. So. If you have a, you know, that one of the things I love about the, the Christian worldview is it's darn accurate. It basically goes, look, people are capable of really good stuff, 
but they're also capable of absolutely terrible stuff. And the sooner we all accept that and ask ourselves some questions about it, so I'm getting at is you're right. There's like without that fundamental top level, why am I here? What's the nature mm. of reality? What, what I didn't create myself. Why am I here? Like those questions come first. Then it's, well, in that case, what do I believe about other people? What do I believe about my own potential? And then if we get that part right, then we can start to structure a life, you know, based on how then should I live? How mm -hmm. should I live based on the nature of reality? Because, you know, you look at Marx, like Marx's fundamental proposition was kind of that all of life was class struggle and that, you know, people are kind of good, they're just crushed and they just need to be reorganised in a different way. It was just wrong. It was yeah. just fundamentally wrong. And so don't get me started on cultural Marxism. I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> you just got to get this stuff right. If you, if you, and we're living through it now. Our whole world's living through these, what mm -hmm. we think are social, economic, political issues are issues about what it means to be human and yeah. how we see reality itself. Um, Jonathan, you mentioned a little while back about, you know, the, the truth is that we we form habits at a young age. A lot of it for all, a lot of us is subconscious, right? I think you said like 90% or whatever the, of what we operate from is, 90, is, is subconscious. So, for the guys listening or people listening right now, how do we take an inventory of our lives and go, there might be things that I'm doing on a habitual level that are no longer serving me, but because it's just a habit and it's subconscious, I do it without even thinking. So how do I bring some awareness to my life around things in my life that perhaps I did do as a kid, but as an adult, they're no longer serving me or even a few years that I've evolved or even COVID has forced me to change and whatever, but I haven't yet changed the inner stuff and I'm still operating out of the old, but it's no longer serving me. Do you understand what I'm saying? How do we take an inventory and look at go, these things I might need to pinpoint and go, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe I need to change this. Yeah. In terms of taking inventory, two things. One, everything that you're doing, look at, look at the outcome. Just look at the outcome. Look at the benefit, right? If you're doing something that's increasing joy, love, peace, connection, success, health, well-being, just do more of that, right? <laughs> just keep doing that. Keep doing more of it until you're doing so much of it, it becomes a problem and then stop doing so much of it. <laughs> <laughs> what we need to know is what that point is, by the way. <laughs> no one gets to, you know, we're not having a conversation today about how do we how do we scale back our good habits? Yeah, like we're not having right. a conversation. <laughs> so the second part is okay. So what do we want to what do we want to identify the things that aren't working? How do we know they're not working? Um, they will usually be causing some negative outcome in relationships, in health and well being, in personal growth. You'll just you just know. The other way you can do it if you're extremely brave is ask the people closest to you. Right? It's like, the, you know, because Karen and I go walking most days. I reckon if I just went out today and said, you know, Kaz, I was talking to Des and Tim and I'm just thinking, could you could you point out my five worst habits for me? I'm like, she loves me so much. I'm sure she would graciously. <laughs> of course, darling. Actually, I've got 10. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, and look, Tim, so look, summary. We don't need to worry about changing what's working. We just need to double down on it to up to a point. Um, second is we, we identify what's not working by the outcomes. We can ask people closest. And, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk used to talk about it a lot. Like just ask the three or four people close to you and say, hey, listen, I've been listening to some podcasts. I'm trying to change a few things. What do you think of my three or four 
you know, if you don't want to say worst habits, just say areas for potential growth. Ooh, yes. There you go. <laughs> the last thing, Tim, you know, when we're talking about childhood trauma and stuff that we've learned, a couple of points. One is it is murky. It's so murky. Like the therapeutic industry wants to, wants to go, you know, this happened when you were this age, therefore it's so deterministic. Like it, it's so, there are some people who've experienced trauma who just go on to make amazing things out of their lives. Some people have a little bit of setbacks and they just completely. So I'm in a very conflicted place with some aspects of the therapeutic industry. Just knowing you had a bad life doesn't necessarily change things. Jonathan, we've talked about, um, you know, identifying habits and things that may no longer be be serving us. Let's take a short break and come back about uh, and look at ways that we can actually break or replace habits. And then we talked about facing fears and things in the intro. Let's come back at the uh, the other side of the break and have a look at all of that. You are listening to Momentum. It's Tim and Daz and Jonathan Doyle, our special guest with you this week. Our website, MomentumAustralia.org. We'll be back with Jonathan on the other side of this break. Stay tuned. You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. Well, welcome back to Momentum. Thanks for hanging around. MomentumAustralia.org is our website. Love you to check that out after the show. We're having a great conversation. It's Tim and Des and our special guest, Jonathan Doyle, an international speaker, author, businessman, executive coach, and he's just got a wealth of information that we are looking into. But, you know, Des, we talked before uh, the break about uh, this idea of getting people around us to perhaps identify uh, some things in us that we might want to change or need to change. And you had some thoughts around that coming off the break. Yeah, look, it's a, it's one of the arching, overarching uh, messages that we get out to men in Momentum. And that is, you know, get yourself um, surrounded by men that you trust, men that will engage in your world, um, who are good friends and will be open and honest with what's happening in your world. And mm. our recommendation is always get somebody like that in your life before you get into strife. And strife could be just around the corner, you just don't know. But get somebody mm. in your life that you know will sow into your world and help you through stuff, you know, whether it be habits or whether it be your routine's not good, whatever it happens to be, but get men mm. around you to do that. Yeah. And Jonathan, you know, just throwing that back out to you, I mean, it is good that we have people speak into our lives. It's good that we have people, you know, speak into that space. But having the right people speak into that space is really important. Can you just speak into that for me? Yeah, we're in a unique historical moment. You know, for as long as we've been in social groupings, you know, every human that, that lived until about, you could probably say, Almost the 1860s, you know, the Industrial Revolution was the real tipping point globally. Until about the 1860s, every human that ever lived tended to live in very small groupings of people, right? Yeah, and community. And most humans, yeah, and most humans would never travel more than probably 20 miles from where they were born in their life. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's not until you start to see the, you know, the journeys of people like Ferdinand Magellan you know, in the 16th century, the, the 15th century, that the world really begins to open up. So what this means is this is a unique historical moment. The fact that, you know, Des is mentioning this is is interesting because it's alien to us to really have to go around looking for support and connection because it was always there. So especially in the developed world, men tend to be, with with exceptions, quite alienated and disconnected yes 
So I think what you guys are doing with the whole momentum project and, you know, the point you're making is that we, we've got to be really active in creating that. So for a long time, you know, we were doing fires every Friday afternoon and all sorts <laughs> of wearing, you know, wearing lots of flannelette and that sort of stuff. And, <laughs> you know, you, you couldn't come if you didn't have a, a flannelette, you know, shirt. <laughs> a lumberjack shirt. <laughs> you had to bring your own axe. Um, but anyway, look, I, I just think you guys are doing great stuff and um, you're totally right. It's, um, you know, Karen was just talking to me today. We have some friends who who tragically lost one of their kids and, and just pointing to the fact that they've been very isolated and that we need to reach out to the father, you know, and just kind of mm. include them. So crucial point massive need and anything that guys listening can do to just pick up the phone, make some time and start reconnecting is just worthwhile. Mm. So Jonathan, getting back to, you know, how this plays into our habits and daily routine, obviously having people in our life is necessary. We've had, we've been brave enough to say to our wife or a friend, Hey, are there things perhaps that in my life you see that, that I'm blinded to or things that I could improve or ways, I think you said potential growth areas of my life. Uh, and they've maybe highlighted some things to us, right? Then what do we do with that? Like when they've come to us and said, oh, this or that, then then what do we do with that? How do we then take that and turn it around to do something positive, maybe break a habit or replace a habit? What are your thoughts? The first step is to decide what you want. Like the, I would say, you know, you know, Aristotle said, of course, that the unexamined life is not worth living, right? So that was arguably the the precursor to the whole Western project, uh, delineating that a crucial aspect of being human is to examine our lives, right, and decide where we are. Um, Henry David Thoreau, the famous American writer who wrote Walden, you know, he's a guy who who literally just stepped out of society. He went and built a little cabin on Walden Pond in the US uh, in the in the 19th century and wrote this book, Walden. And the, one of the famous lines from that is he said, the great mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Yeah. So by this I mean that the first thing you got to do is go, hang on, what? how long have I been on autopilot here? Like how long have I been just functioning in or dysfunctioning and make the point, what do I want? Like in the time that I got left, how do I want to live my life? Like what, what what's significant to me? And I just, I don't know. I don't know how many men do that. I haven't done a survey, but it strikes me that not a large no. number of men do that kind of work. So first step is to go, what do I want? What sort of husband do I want to be? What sort of father? What sort of friend? What sort of worker? All of those fundamental building blocks of a life. Then we've gone to this part where we're asking those around us how we can grow there's two steps just alone that many people aren't doing from there. Then it's it's about questions like, you know, again, the, 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 the great three principles of philosophy were who am I, where am I going, who should come with me? Yeah. To live well, you have to kind of go, who am I or what am I? What what am I? What am I here to do? What, what What's my potential? What based on my potential, and Jordan Peterson would say we'll talk about this a lot. What could you become, right? Mm. I was speaking about this in Sydney the other week. Like, what is possible in this life, right? Like, how compassionate could you become? How artistic could you become? How gentle or how courageous or how intelligent? Like, 
So to be human is to is to be potential. We could become a lot of things, right? So we identify what we want to become, what's important to us. And then we begin to, you know, St. Augustine said this, you know, in the fourth century, he said, I, I must organize my day for the good of my soul. Mm. So time is the finite resource. So once we begin to think about the life that we want, then we have to look at resource allocation, which and the ultimate resource is time. Mm. So if you want to spend 10 hours of your weekend watching Netflix, well, that's on you, right? Like, and you can say, oh, I'm tired and I had a big week. Fine. Recreation is a thing. I'm not sure Netflix binges are the <laughs> definition of recreation. But so, Tim, long-winded answer to your question as always, but we decide who we are and what we can become, what we want from this life. We ask the people around us where the growth points might be. Mm. And then we begin to structure our days in ways that are congruent with what we say is important, which takes us back to that earlier point, the relationship between beliefs and habits. And so from a spiritual point of view, examining how, where your faith is, what God wants for you alongside you you being wanting to be a better person and do all the things you've just described, that is a journey, isn't it? Best I can tell God wants two things. Um, and I would used to say just one. And I said this to an audience in Sydney a few weeks ago with 500 people. And I said, what do you think? And I know we've got all sorts of different people listening, you know, people of different faith backgrounds and experiences, but, but however you conceptualize God at the moment, well, at least from, I guess from the Christian perspective, what do you think God is up to in cosmic history? Like what, what do you think the whole big thing is? Like what's it all about? Like it's not just about creation. It's not like God just went, hey, I'm bored. Let's make a cosmos. <laughs> like because God's God. It's like there's nothing to God to do that. It's just like here it goes. Um, so what's going on? And what the theologians will tend to say is that the fundamental thing that God is up to is redemption, is healing, yes. is is fixing broken things and restoring mm. broken things. That's that's it. Because if that's not true, then the, the incarnation, Jesus, none of it makes any sense. So yes, right. first point, the first point is that. The second point is like any good parent, what a good parent desires is that all the potential in their child comes into reality over time, that they mm. live in a way that is that is rich and full and good in the classical sense of good. So I think God looks at us and basically goes, I want your flourishing. I want you to grow. I want you to develop. I want you to be happy and bless people and, and not be racked with addictions and not. So that's why the spiritual dimension is so crucial. And for anyone listening, that's like, Oh, here we go with the spiritual stuff. Let's be clear that the, the, the data is unequivocal. The world is rapidly becoming more religious. It just is like, it's, we live in this little Western bubble of the development world and you know it's materialist and stuff but it's not the rest of the planet like it's and you know so these spiritual questions are just central to the planet right Mm. so jonathan you mentioned using our time wisely essentially you know putting it in a in a short sentence and structuring our day to get the best out of our day and our time so let's talk about that because i know for you and we've talked a bit about this in other shows and other times we've spoken but your daily routine so let's talk about the daily routine right we've identified habits and we want to use our time wisely and blah, 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 blah. Some people have a daily routine. Some people just kind of hate as the day unfolds, whatever. So let's let's look at some practical things that people listening can do to start, I suppose, getting the best out of their day. What does that look like? 
Okay, step one is to avoid comparison, right? So what one person's routine is going to look like and what they can reasonably do given their state of life, where they are in their particular stage of life is going to be different. So you spend a week with me, you'll probably walk away going, he is utterly unhinged. (laughs) If I spend a week with Cameron Haynes, Cam Haynes is this world famous bow hunter and and he's fascinating. I read his book recently and I just, I read his book. I was like, you can't be serious. Like this guy has like four kids, full-time nine to five job, gets up at 2am to run a marathon before he goes to work. Like, so it's, it's totally relative, right? Wow. Routines and what people are doing is relative. You just got to do you. You've got to go, okay, where am I at? What's my baseline? What time could I wake up? What time should I wake up? What time, why would you wake up earlier? Well, so you can do more productive, useful things. Why would you want to do that? Because if you do that, you'll feel better about yourself. Why is that important? Then you'll be in a better place with other people and you'll bring more light and contribution and energy and potentiality into the world. So these routines matter. We're, we're just extremely habitual creatures. So we're, it's in our DNA to do habitual structured things. Um, We are also living in a culture that is radically inimical to most of what we're talking about. It is a culture that that is highly based on breaking us down into atomized consumerist units. (laughs) The, The more pleasure, the more consumption, the more distraction, the better. The more distracted we are, the more we're able to be directed and ruled. The more we are based on comfort, the more we consume. So breaking out of the, it's like, the, it's, it's literally like, um, you know, the matrix. It's like waking up going, hang on, what am I going to do? What, what can I do? People are watching. Like if you've got kids, people are watching. My mm. dad, he's been dead a long time. God, God bless him. But, you know, he struggled, struggled with morbid obesity his entire life. He didn't have a morning routine. He didn't exercise. Mm. He didn't do any of this stuff because he was dealing with trauma. He never recovered from it. So in many ways, my life, my routines are a reaction to that, but they're a, they're a conscious yeah. reaction. They're a deliberate mm-hmm. reaction. They're not like I'm in denial. So, Tim, we got this, we've got this finite resource, and one day the clock's going to stop. And we don't want to be anxious about that. We don't want to have an anxious life going, oh, I've got to do more and more and more and more. No, it's just like how can you live so that it's awesome and that it blesses people and you leave a legacy that are people like that was wow. Like that mm-hmm. was a life well lived. That's brilliant. There's, there's a great quote worth looking up. You should put on the show notes from Hunter S Thompson who talks about, you know, getting to the end of life. And it's just great. He's like, he, he said he kind of wants to slide in sideways to heaven, completely wrecked and destroyed. And, <laughs> and, and he basically did that. If you know Hunter S Thompson, that's how he lived. But he, he kind of was saying, look, if we're going to die, let's just make sure we wear this body out. Let's get the most mm. out of stuff and, um, and really bless mm. people. Just want to quickly finish with another quote, and I think you've mentioned this on your daily podcast, Jonathan, from Pastor Chrishell. You can have excuses or progress, but you can't have both. And I mean, that that requires a really good look at ourselves, doesn't it? An honest look at ourselves to go, am I sitting in the excuses space or am I choosing progress? I think it explains part of why Jordan Peterson's been so influential yeah. because he's just found a way to say to men particularly, it's not about you. Like, yeah. you know, I used to teach on stage, running men's seminars for, you know, 15 years. I used to have these seven principles and principle three or four was like, come second. It was like, come second. Like just, you know, live in such a way that you're putting others first. And like, like, you know, so what I'm getting at Tim in terms of the Craig Rochelle quote is, 
you know, yeah, you, you can have excuses. You can, and especially in a very therapeutic culture, you can say, well, I'm like this because, you know, mm. I yell at my kids because my dad yelled at me or I yell at my kids because this happened or I, I'm not romantic with my spouse because, you know, I didn't see romance. And what, you got a story, right? Like, but, you know, the best stories are stories of transformation. So, yeah, you got to catch yourself in the in the act of excuses, right? Because the thing with excuses is this. I, I teach people when it comes to blame and excuses, I will sit there and I will listen to you and I will do two things. Number one is I will listen to you and I will agree with your analysis. And then I will do the second part was I will say three words and they are, and now what? <laughs> Brilliant. Because yeah. you can sit there, like, you know, my, my childhood was a disaster. So I can sit around all day describing it, but then then what? Like sooner or later you got to live. So you can have wow. your excuses, but you can't have a life you, know, you fully lived. You can't have both at the same time. Yeah, I like that. And now what? Dot, dot, dot. It's so good. Our special guest has been uh, Jonathan Doyle. We've been talking about habits and daily routine and so much more, which was always going to be the case. But Jonathan, hey, man, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Momentum. And uh, we'll talk again real soon, mate. You take care. Thanks, guys. Always enjoy doing it. And uh, blessings to everybody listening. You've been listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. For more information or to hear this week's show again, go to MomentumAustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org. Until next time, keep moving forward with Momentum.